1: So much support
0: for freelancers or artists in the in the media um, as I have now. They both laid me off from just the advent of the, the outbreak. I'm anthropologist and author Veronica Kieran, and I am building an interview archive of stories and anecdotes that define this time in history to write a book preserving this experience for future generations. If you have an experience that you'd like to share, check out the show notes to sign up for an interview. Pamela Watson is an author and consultant to businesses who are looking to break into the Nigerian market. She has bicycled across Africa and has written about her adventures of running social enterprises in Lagos. And so she is no stranger to adventure. In this interview, she describes how COVID-19 shut down event after event for her in Australia and her decision to have the remotest book launch in history out on the Nullarbor plain in the desert of australia i was in london
1: um, my my book was launched on february the 6th and of 2020. So um, I can't recall whether the first news came out just before then or after then. It was a fairly hectic period, the the UK launch of my book, but uh, I was definitely in London. But by the end of that week, uh, was it? No, by the end of February, we were flying out to Perth for the Australian launch. And certainly it was in that back half of February that I started to sense that this might be the real deal. I think I was ahead of the curve in recognising that this was going to be a pandemic and that I'd have to accept the consequences and be planning to respond to the new reality. Um, I didn't really know what to expect but I was already developing plans of what would I do if my book launch <laughs> in Australia collapsed. I was pleasantly surprised and pleased that actually the first week in, in Perth survived um, with good turnouts to events. But as we took off for the East, I, I suspected that uh, I'd be heading into trouble. We left Perth on, <clears throat> was it March the... was a Sunday, that March the... El- 10th, 11th, no, here's something like that. Um, but essentially it was that week, certainly in Australia and the UK, that was a pivotal week of recognition. Um, I think it was on March the 11th that in Australia we declared it, our, our Prime Minister declared it a pandemic, um, actually before who, and um, started announcing that it you know, would, would be some... Um, restrictions but at that stage it was things like groups of 500 and inside groups of 100 um, but it was very interesting because we were traveling by road across the Nullarbor, uh, which is the treeless plain the desert um, in in the south of the continent of australia and the west to east road goes through the Nullarbor plain without very good internet connection or phone connection. And so as we would get into a roadhouse, we'd pick up a bit of news and then we'd be another two hours out uh, in the desert with just a partner and I in the cabin to talk about, ooh, what is this going to mean? So it allowed lots of time for analysis. And in a way, I think that was helpful because uh, we weren't disturbed by lots of news. We just got snippets of news and then we had to focus. And of course, if you're not getting lots of external news, then you start very quickly to start thinking, well, what are we going to do? We had traveled um, about 1,700 kilometers from Perth and we had been passing only through small towns uh, after we've got off the Nullarbor we are in South Australia Victoria but it was small small country towns but interestingly in that first week people were quite positive the so people who are travellers were talking about well it's great to be a traveller we're outside the city yeah, you know the infection rates are not going to be great out here we'll plan to stay in the outback meanwhile the small traders in the small towns were quite gleeful it was unexpected business these people had come into town uh, well we'll extend our hours on our fish and chip shop so there was quite a lot of buoyancy in the the encounters that we had during that week but by the weekend so that that middle of march weekend we were a hundred kilometers outside ballarat and the news that night was that Britain was closing pubs. Well, if Britain closes pubs, you know this is serious. <laughs> and um, in Australia, they were uh, changing the restrictions from um, you know the 500 down much tighter. It still wasn't down into the two, which we're, we're at at the moment, but it was very tight. And it was a serious warning sign, and by Monday morning, I managed to get some 4G signal on my phone. We were in the country still and still a bit hard to get signal. But the messages came in and it was that all events, the events for my book launch in Melbourne, in Sydney, in Canberra, all cancelled. And uh, so, yeah, it wasn't unexpected, but it was a bit devastating. But the immediate thing was, what do we do? We were 100 kilometres outside Melbourne and... My partner has uh, adult children in Melbourne, and so part of the deal of going to Melbourne for the events was we were going to see family. But as we started thinking it through about what to do, and I think I think I was a little bit ahead of it even than Andrew, that he's uh, more of somebody who uh, was wanting to be told, waiting for the government's decree or waiting for, he had some business arrangements and it was, well, what were the company's policies going to be? Whereas I said, look, you know, this is it. Um, uh, We need to get back to Perth and we're probably not going to make it to London. Uh, We need to start thinking about staying in Perth. We're probably going to be there for six months. And he, he just still couldn't get his mind around it. Anyhow, within a couple of hours of um, Ballarat, we had decided to go to Anglesey because a friend offered us some accommodation there, a beach house. And it was within Cooee a very short distance of Melbourne, and we thought, okay, we could stay there for a couple of nights and go in and out of Melbourne without staying in Melbourne, which had quite a, it was an epicentre of infections at that stage, um, just see people and come out. And I was a bit bit antsy about it. But Andrew's daughter, who's an emergency doctor, she actually uh, came through on the phone and said, this is not the time to come into Melbourne. And so that made it easy to say, right, we're we're just heading west. So we did. And we ended up, um, well, that day as well, the announcement came through that the medical doctors in Western Australia were urging the Premier to close the border to Western Australia. And we were uh, two and a half thousand kilometres from the border. So um, we needed to make tracks, even though initially the Premier resisted. Within a couple of days, he, he had decided to shut the borders. So we were doing 800 kilometre plus days on the return journey. And, and the interesting thing about the return journey was the change in the mood in, in the towns. So we hadn't been in a city we were only experiencing these small towns. And one of the very first things that we did was we went to a supermarket to stock up and this was a country supermarket. It wasn't one where people were stupidly buying, but it was silence and people were, it was quite, you know, it's a small supermarket. So it had narrow, narrow aisles and people would wait at one end of the aisle or If they saw you were in the aisle, they'd do a U-turn and go down the other aisle. And there was just such deliberate care to avoid, you know, being close. And the social distancing rules were in place, so that was fair enough. But they weren't smiling and they weren't engaging at all. It was silent. I've never been in such a quiet supermarket. And that was the first sign about the tension, that people were tense and then the next sign was getting to a, 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 another beach town. We'd been in a beach town uh, where, you know, the fish and chip shop owner was saying, oh, wow, you know, I'm going to have to open for longer hours. Well, then it, it was a different beach town, very similar in South Australia, and we had our fish and chips and we got talking to the restaurant owner and she was just full of anxiety. It was like, oh, we're going to have to close. We don't know what to do. Um, But at the same time, we started talking to travellers and travellers were being made, you know, it was pretty clear, uh, we felt it too, that we were now perceived as carriers of the virus, we were Typhoid Mary, we were not welcome anymore. And so there was this, this whole flip of tension and fear, which was translating to people hunkering down and looking after themselves. And um, yeah, it was a very odd return journey, quite, quite different. And so to do a west to east journey um, in uh, one week and then east to west journey and going through virtually the same place uh, inside a matter of 17 days and see that transition, that, that, that was quite remarkable. The messages at the political level were about Um, we're all in this together Um, it's uh, you know people together and and, you know indeed there were some great examples of people starting to look after elderly who were vulnerable who were locked in but at the same time what we were experiencing were backpackers who had visas which should have allowed them to travel uh, to work and you know get casual employment and of course all the casual employment whether in a, a, a hotel, a restaurant, as an agricultural worker, uh, was either closing or they were being treated as though they were virus carriers and therefore there was no employment for them. And and uh, the, the, the travellers who were in vehicles were, it was just like second homeowners, they were being told, get back to the cities, you know, don't bring the virus to us. And the talk back... Uh, radio programs were all filled with that and yeah it it, it didn't give me um, a great sense of the depth of our values of kindness and generosity and looking after each other it really felt a little bit superficial that once we feared for ourselves and our communities that there was this um, less less uh, kind side of, of human nature which was coming out I'm happy to say that we're th- kind of through it, and we've got through fairly quickly in, in uh, Australia, and in Western Australia, we're now at a point of zero cases. And once uh, once once people start to relax, it's amazing how generosity and smiles come back. <laughs> but but definitely, yeah, it was a bit a bit salutary to see see the impact of fear. Even coming back on that that that. Uh, that car drive. There, there was one. There was one time. It was actually a few days after we had turned back, and it was the day that I should have been delivering um, the really the talk at the big event in Sydney. It was the most prestigious event that I I had been invited to to speak at so for the book launch, and I suddenly realised that it was five o'clock in Sydney, and it was the day that I should have been delivering this talk. And I must admit, I just started feeling a bit sorry for myself. A sort of tear welled up, and it was like, oh. Um, but you just had to take a pull on yourself. It, it, I mean, it was nothing compared to the other stories. I mean, I, I was worried about my mother, uh, elderly, and you know what the impact could her, her could be. Yes, yeah, so we drove, we were talking about. Uh, the number of people we knew that had medical conditions and we really feared for them. Um, So a a crashed book launch just didn't seem significant in the overall scheme of this changed reality we were going through. But that said, what I did in order to cope was that I decided that I would have a, a, a launch out on the Nullarbor Plank. And I was driving, and I suddenly pulled to a stop. It was on this absolutely flat stretch of plain, not a tree in sight. And I said to Andrew, "We're going to have a launch." And I set up a camp stool with ten books. It was the remotest bookstore in the world. I set up my banner, which you can see behind me, and uh, the wind was blowing. And so my voice was a bit hoarse trying to get heard above the wind as a road train, one of our big trucks with about three trailers um, behind it, uh, rushed towards me. And I was holding out a book and I was calling out, Would you like to buy a uh, Give Us Moon over Lagos? <laughs> my book. And of course, the tra- road train just rushed past, <laughs> nearly blew me and, and the banner over. Um, But yeah, that was my little act of defiance to say that, you know, come what may, Gibbous Moon was launched and it was launched in style out on the Malibu Plain. If you'd
0: like to watch the book launch, I have linked the video in the show notes below, as well as the link to Pamela's books about her adventures across Africa and running a social enterprise in Lagos, Nigeria, When, just like today, things didn't go exactly as planned. Thank you for listening. Subscribe so that you don't miss an interview. I interview multiple people a week, and I am releasing these episodes as fast as I can. And if the story meant something to you, share it, because it will probably mean something to someone else. Every time you share the project, it helps the project grow so thank you. Until next time, stay safe, stay well.